Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. beginning with verse 11 but you O man of God flee these things so there's things you have to flee in life and I think in uh, most churches that's where the focus is you know when you come to Christ they tell you you got to get rid of sin you got to repent which is all stuff that we preach and we enforce that hard but notice how Paul doesn't just stop it flee these things so when you get born again there are things that you flee from. There's things that you, you quit doing. The Bible says that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. David said in Psalm 66, 18. It's going to be a good broadcast today. I already feel it. So share this. Hey, JR. Psalm 66, 18. The Bible says, if I had regarded iniquity in my heart, David said that then the Lord would have never heard me. So you get rid of sin. The Bible says, be, be sure your sins will find you out. Meaning that sin's reward, quote unquote reward, sin's consequence will find you. You cannot evade the consequence of sin. You can't escape it. If you, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death and sin and Satan is never late in paying those wages. He never misses a payment. When you sin and deliberately sin, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, this is a scripture that people really don't talk about much, but Hebrews 10 says, if you sin willfully, meaning if you are, you know, deliberate about sin and have no care or concern about what, how God feels about it or, or what Christ has redeemed you from and the very, you know, the very fact sin nailed him to that tree, if you sin willfully after you've come to the knowledge of the truth, the Bible says, if, if under the law of Moses, two or three witnesses caught someone sinning, they were stoned without question. How much more worse punishment, the Bible says, do you suppose he who sins under this new covenant will have? Since he openly opposes God, and the Bible says, insults the spirit of grace and has trampled the blood of the Son of God underfoot. So there's things you flee from. You cannot live in sin. The Bible says very clearly that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked should turn from his ways. Isaiah says it this way, let the wicked man forsake his ways and the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Let him pursue God and God will abundantly pardon. So a lot of times that's all that's preached in churches is that we're to flee wicked things. That we're, the Bible says in the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, that we as, uh, as um, pure vessels are to put away our old life. Colossians says to put off the old self, which is full of malice, full of dissension and envy and wicked ways, selfish ambition, and that we are to then be renewed in the image of Him who created us in His likeness. So, so we flee those things, but Paul continues on in saying, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, I want you to pay special attention to that. Faith. You're to pursue faith. Love, patience, and gentleness. Then he says in verse 12, 
You are to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. The faith, the, the faith adventure in life is a, is a fight. Faith is a fight. You're not saved to sit. When you get saved, God did not call you to a life of laziness. Rather, God has called you to a fight. To wage the good warfare, the Bible says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And the, the, the wrestling match is against what? Principalities, powers, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. But God didn't leave us without, uh, you know, He didn't leave us without any self-defense measures. And He didn't leave us without weapons to succeed and overwhelmingly conquer in every battle of life. And that's why the Bible says that we are to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And verse 16 of Ephesians 6 says, above everything else. So above the helmet of salvation, above the breastplate of righteousness, above the, 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 the shoes of the gospel of peace, above everything else, you are to pick up the shield of faith with which you will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Why is faith worth, worth investing into? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that by faith, or by grace are we saved through faith. So without faith, you can't even get saved. Without faith, you can't even get born again. It takes faith to get born again. That's why Jesus said, believe in me and you will have life eternal. You have These things have been written so that in reading them, ye may believe that you have life eternal and that you may continue to believe in the name of the only begotten Son of the Father, Jesus Christ. So... Why is faith an all-important asset? Because without faith, we can't get saved. It's very clear. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but, who, but whoever believes on Him will have eternal life. The Bible says, when uh, Philip was, in the Ethiop was uh, riding by the Ethiopian chariot on the way to, to, to um, the desert of Gaza, the Bible says that the man, the Ethiopian, was reading Isaiah 53. But he didn't have any understanding of Isaiah 53. He was just reading it because, you know, that's how a lot of people read their Bibles. They just read it to read. There's, they, they don't understand that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it has the ability to pierce to the division of spirit and soul bone and marrow that means this book has the ability to profit you in life you don't have to live a life of defeat you don't have to live uh as 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 a you know someone always cowering away you don't have to live a life of ups and downs this book empowers you to be absolutely triumphant everywhere you go no matter the adversary ahead of you joshua 1 verse 3 joshua my servant Moses is dead. Meaning stop dwelling on the revivals of the past. Stop dwelling on things God did in 1980 and understand that now I'm going to use you, Joshua. Joshua, if you'll not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but if you'll be careful to meditate therein day and night and observe to do, not just listen and meditate. Remember what it says, to observe to do. So you read it, you meditate on it. God opens your eyes to things you have to do. And then you do it. And when you do it, God told Joshua, as for you, your way as you do, as you, as you follow this book of instruction, this book is not a book of promises. 
Because if it was a book of promises, uh, someone makes you a promise, then they have to fulfill it whether you do, you know, whether whether you're whether you're uh, doing favorable, you know, actions towards them or not. If someone makes you a promise, they they have to keep that promise. This book is not a book of promises. This book is a book of instruction. That when you do these things, Joshua 1 says, you will be prosperous in everything you do and you will find good success. Paul said it. That was Old Testament. Paul brought that into the New Testament and said, Timothy, pay attention to the to godliness for bodily training. People are health fanatics. You know, they, 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 they'll spend money at a gym membership. They'll go running. They'll sp- spend money on workout, uh, clothing and stuff. They'll go and, you know, subscribe to a, 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 a football season in their local community or whatever and pay all money, buy all the equipment for football that's needed. And, uh, and they'll spend and invest so much money in their physical health, which is good. Those things are good. Paul said those things have a, a, a little bit of profit. However, Godliness is profitable in all things since it holds promise not only in the life that 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 is to come but it holds profit in the life that now is and he said therefore Timothy give attention to reading give attention to exhortation to preaching give attention to doctrine to teaching and preaching for if you do that you will provide a safe way for yourself and for those who follow you and he said, if you'll meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to this book, then your progress will become evident to everyone else around you. That's what Jesus essentially said when he said, whoever hears these words of mine and starts doing it, he'll be like a, tr- he'll be like a, a, a house that is built on the rock that when the storms arise, when the winds blow and beat against the house, that rock, do- that, that house does not fall because it's been founded on the rock of the word. David said, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Through your commandments, I have dominion over my enemies. Through your commandments, I have triumph everywhere I go. Through your commandments, I have promise of great reward. And I tell you today, as grace comes on you this day, to follow, to like David said, to not delay, but to make haste in obeying God's commandments as you observe to do it and meditate on it and never let it off your lips. From today onward, you won't live a life of ups and downs. You will go from glory to glory from faith to faith and from victory to victory in the name of Jesus Christ no man no devil no government institution will ever be able to stand before you as you make the Lord your hiding place as you make the Lord's word as you set apart the Lord's word in your heart to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you. I declare, I prophesy to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Today will be the smallest you've ever been. Today will be the weakest you've ever been. For from today, let the weak say, I am strong. You are entering in, not to a life of shame and, and reproach, but a life of glory, of virtue, and of power. Because the Bible says, by these promises, he hath given unto us the ability to be partakers of the divine nature. As you get that word in you, God's very own life comes alive in your body to do what you couldn't do before, to act the way you couldn't act before, to say the things you couldn't say to before. That's what this book does. This book literally intoxicates you 
It, it, you know, there's natural wine, there's physical wine, there's earthly wine that gets you drunk and you do all kinds of crazy stuff and you'll go to hell doing that. And, uh, you, you know, it has a, a hangover effect the next day, makes you feel like crap. You make stupid decisions on it. Well, there's another wine called the wine of the word. Uh, Isaiah 55, lo, I counsel you to buy from me wine and milk that has no money and no price. Come and learn of me, Jesus said, and you'll find rest for your souls. When you learn from Jesus, when you pick up his word, the wine of the word begins to intoxicate you. So just like a drunk man, it, you know, some people, they're really timid and shy. Then you put alcohol in them and they start getting angry or they're very like out and open. You know, so there's people who literally they can't go to a dinner party or go to a party or go to a, uh, uh, someone's house without downing a shot of something to just loosen the nerves, you know? Well, those things have negative consequences and they do stupid things. You know, you see a drunk man, <laughs> drunk, they'll like what they wouldn't do without alcohol, they'll do with alcohol. Tell them to punch a wall without alcohol, they'll think you're crazy. Put some alcohol in them and, you know, tell them to punch a wall and they, there's some really angry drunks. They punch a wall. They do things they would not do unless they're under the influence. Well, the Word puts you under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And you start to do things you wouldn't do when you're not under the influence. And the good thing is, you know, just like a, a, a natural man, if he drinks wine and gets drunk at one party he, he's not that drunkness is no matter how big of a drunk he is he's gonna that drunk feeling is gonna wear off sooner or later you know the, the next morning he's not gonna feel drunk he's gonna feel miserable in the same vein you have to stay drunk on the word you have to stay intoxicated on the word that's why jesus said man does not live by bread alone Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The book of Proverbs says, wisdom personified, which Jesus said, the wisdom of God is the word of God. The word of God is the wisdom of God in print. And per, uh, Proverbs 9, wisdom personified says, come and buy from me wine, drink of the wine which I have mixed, and feast on the bread that I've made, referring to the word of God. Forsake foolishness and you will live. Take firm hold of my instruction and you will never come out losing in life. I tell you, in the name of Jesus Christ, when you get the word of God in your spirit, you'll never feel lost in life. There'll always be an answer and a solution. No matter what the challenge is against you, God will always, these words are spirit and they are life, and the spirit quickens the solution to whatever is, is, is challenging you today. And the Bible says that when you mix faith with the word of God, it profits you every single day. Fight the good fight of faith. So it's a faith fight. And I'm going to tell you, I titled this today, The Enemies of Faith, because there are enemies to faith. There's no, any time the Lord spoke to the children of Israel, I want you to enter into the promised land. If you're just uh, tuning in now, you'd do me a lot of good if you shared the broadcast and get this out to as many people as possible. When he told the children of Israel to go into the promised land, Deuteronomy 2, the Bible says, that when they spied it out, he, uh, God told them, Arise now and go into the land of Sihon the Amorite, for I am giving it over to you. I'm giving it over to you. But he said, Now arise and contend with him in battle. So God said, I'm giving you this land as your own possession. It's yours. You have the, the title deed for this land. But there's going to be opposition in the land. 
There's going to be adversary. There's going to be enemies that are going to try and keep you out. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That shows you that the enemy cannot devour whoever he wants. There are people whom he may devour and there's people whom he may not devour. One of them has taken time to invest in the development of his faith and has become strong in faith. And the other one just leaves things to times and seasons. You know, I just know my season's coming. Your season will come as quickly as you learn the word, believe the word, speak the word, and enforce that word. God's not, God's not waiting in heaven to heal you. God already healed you at the cross at Calvary when he took stripes on his back. Jesus Christ. You think he went to that whipping post because he had nothing else to do that day? No. He was pierced for our iniquities. He was bruised for our guilt stains. And the chastisement of our peace was laid on him. And by his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes. Does it say by his stripes? You're, 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 you might be healed, but it depends on if God is willing that day or not. No. By his stripes, you are healed. And then in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, Jesus said it. He cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that, by, uh, that he bore our sickness and carried our pains. 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his body, that we being dead to sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes? Past tense, ye were healed. Peter used the past tense, looking back to the cross. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 15, 26, when the Bible says that they had drank of the bitter waters of Marah, and they all got sick, and some of them started dying, that God showed Moses a tree, a, a, a piece of wood, which was a type of the cross. And he said, take that piece of wood and cast it into the bitter waters of Marah. As you do, the waters that were bitter and bacterially infested will be turned to sweet waters, clean waters. And he's made a statue with them that day. If you'll indeed heed my statutes and keep my commandments, I will not allow or permit any of the diseases which have come upon the Egyptians to come upon you. For I am, I am. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He's the great I am. You have to get out of this time consciousness. God does not dwell in time. That means your healing is not time sensitive. Your healing already happened when God declared himself to be the I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And when he took the stripes on his back, so the Old Testament, they looked forward to the Redeemer. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he shall stand on the earth. I know that one day I'll see him eye to eye. I know that there will be one who will come from God who will put his hand on me, Job, and put his hand on God and he'll make peace between the two of us and my calamity will cease. God, Job had to look forward to Christ. We don't look forward to Christ coming again. The Bible says that the word of faith does not say who will go into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. We're not trying to pull Christ back down and also it says who will go down into the abyss to raise Christ up from the dead that means we're not we're not trying we're not hoping for Christ to rise from the dead because Paul said if Christ has not risen from the dead we are to the most of all people of all religions of all everything to be pitied because we're still in sin everyone who died in sin is in hell and we're going to hell and we might as well eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die but notice what 
What happened on the third day? That when Jesus died, he, he kept prophesying the last couple of days of his ministry and even months of his ministry. He said, there's going to be a day where they will deliver me into the hands of the son of, of, of men and the chief priests and the high priests. They will put me to death. They will scourge me. They will beat me. They will spit on me and mock me. But take heart for on the third day, I will rise again. They say, what do you mean you'll rise again? Peter even challenged him and said, by no means will this ever happen to you. That was Satan trying to get into the way of the messianic prophecies to try and distort the plan of God. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, hey, Peter, he didn't say Peter. Notice how he said, hey, Satan, get thee behind me. You're not setting your, your eyes on God's things. You're setting your eyes on, on man's things. You're setting your eyes on the things of man. And Jesus died and he rose again. And the Bible says that when he took those stripes on his back, we don't have to look back. We don't have to look forward to him doing that. Christ already paid the price for our physical healing that now we just have to stake, take that word as a statement of fact open up our hands thank God for it and receive that healing blessing into our bodies we're not believing for healing we believe that God's healing has already been purchased for us you have the faith is the title deed of the things that we hope for that means you have the title deed you know if you buy a new car you have the registration of your vehicle, the pink slip. You have to sign it and hand it over that's the title deed to your vehicle well in the same vein God has given us the title deed. He signed over healing to us. That we now have possession of those things. So that the, on, the only thing the enemy can do is try and intimidate you and deceive you into thinking those things don't actually belong to you. But in reality, and <laughs> hallelujah, let every man be liars, but God be true. Doesn't matter if you go to, a, first of all, if you go to a church where they tell you healing's not for today, you need to leave that church. If you go to a church where they tell you miracles are not for today, you need to leave that church because I don't care what man's opinion is the word of the Lord is forever settled and God didn't start healing in Exodus and then change his plan in numbers and then go back to healing in Deuteronomy and then change his plan ultimately when Christ came no everything Jesus did was the perfect will of God the Father and he healed all that came to him by and the Bible says this he did to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah the Bible says in Acts 10 38 you know of Jesus Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, doing good, doing good, and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I'm here to tell you today, as this word gets into your spirit today, the Bible says what begins in the spirit, it bubbles out, it affects the, man, the body of man. You were bought with a price. God's not only concerned with the spirit, your, your well-being in your spirit, for, uh, Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God's not only interested in your soul prospering and you making it to heaven. God loves you. The Bible says Christ is the Savior of the body. And no man ever hated his own body, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, even as Christ does the church. God want, loves, loves your body. He died for your body. He took stripes on his back for your body. Not only to give you an incorruptible one in the time to come, but to heal you to restore you he said I will restore health unto you 
and heal you of your wounds. I tell you in the name of Jesus, every sickness, every disease, every terminal illness, everything doctors have given up on in your body, they've said you might as well just live off the rest of your days because there's no hope, there's nothing that we can do. Well, you might as well pray for a miracle. I tell you, you don't have to pray for a miracle. Your miracle is here in the name of Jesus. Receive healing in your body now. I cast every spirit of infirmity, every tormenting devil sent to hold your body strength down, sent to, to zap you of strength, to put weakness in your physical body. It comes off your life today. And today you emerge like the Bible says, like the Bible says, as more than a conqueror over sickness and over disease in Jesus mighty name. If you're just tuning in now, I'd encourage you to share the broadcast and uh, let's help beat the Facebook algorithms. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto the eternal life. So eternal life is there, but you have to fight the fight of faith. How many of you can, by show of hands emojis, when you were in church, not saved, someone invited you, and you listened to the preacher preach, and you had like, your heart started to beat, and you knew this was true, and you sweated in your palms, and then he gave that invitation for you to come to Christ, to come forth. All of a sudden... It's like you wanted to go. Eternal life was there. But something was holding you down. Something was like keeping you from taking that first step. And maybe you didn't even go the first time that you went to church. And maybe you didn't even go up the second time or the third time. But eventually you had courage to take that first step. And as you did, it's like the chains that held you down broke free. And you took the rest of the 20 steps, whatever it was, to the altar. And you got saved. And you've never been the same since. How many of you, by show of hand emojis, that was you. you had, it's like all hell tried to put a wall in front of you to keep you. Invis it's not like you saw an actual demon come down the aisle and like put a sword to your neck. But you felt like there was something holding you back. Exactly. You've seen them pop up right now on YouTube. They're on Facebook. Well, eternal life was there before you. But there's something, someone, the enemy trying to keep you out of God's desired end for your life. And the same, that doesn't just end when you get saved. If the devil can't keep you from getting saved, he'll keep you and try and keep you from getting healed. If the devil can't keep you from getting healed, then he'll try and get you off track, believing nonsense when it comes to your financial well-being and you'll live poor the rest of your life and never being able to be a blessing to others. If the devil can't keep you from doing that, then he'll, he'll try and mess up with your, your marriage and get you off the revelation of the Word of God. I want to go through certain enemies of faith that unless you overcome these obstacles unless you disarm these enemies unless you 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 bull rush through these things your life will never change number one number one is lack of knowledge in the word of god your ignorance to God's word is an enemy of faith. Your ignorance to the word of God is an enemy of your faith. Because you can't believe beyond your actual knowledge of God's word. You can't. I was thinking of it earlier. You have an election going on in the United States. These two candidates are campaigning based on their policies, on their political views. And... When they do a rally or they do a, uh, well, there haven't been a debate yet, but when they do a rally, what do they get up and say? They say, they give 
uh, orations, they give speeches based on what they believe they can do in America and in wherever country, whatever country you're from. And they have opposing beliefs and systems and stuff, but they voice their beliefs. They, they rent out stadiums and they speak it out so the people can hear it. So then the people end up getting faith to vote for those candidates in the election. Because they, they, they believe that they'll actually hold to their policies. Well, in the same vein, these are the policies of God's kingdom. The word of God is the policies of God's kingdom. It is the policy of God's kingdom. And you'll never vote for it until you understand the policies and hear the policies. Even Jesus couldn't, he could do no mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. And the scripture doesn't end there. He, he ended up identifying the source of their unbelief. When he said, I went about in a circuit teaching them in the villages. So the reason why they didn't believe is because there wasn't sufficient teaching in those areas. You will never obtain from God what you haven't been taught and preached to first. If you're not taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll never believe God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to the upper regions of Ephesus and he finds a, a body of believers there, 12 people. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He said, they said, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. We've all, in what baptism have you been baptized in then? Well, we've been baptized into the baptism of John. Well, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling them to believe on them, on him who would come after John, whose sandal straps he was not worthy to untie. And Jesus was he that would baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. But you see, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Because they didn't, they didn't have a, they didn't, because they hadn't heard that there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit, they didn't have faith to believe God for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it, it affected them from receiving that thing. Jesus, the Bible says, the people, the crowds, came to hear Him and be healed by their, uh, of their infirmity. So they came first to hear and to believe to be healed. The Bible says of that woman with the issue of blood, when she heard about Jesus, she pressed through the crowd. So if you go to a church where they preach dead religion, that you shouldn't expect God to heal you because sometimes God has a process, and you start, you'll never get healed because you are a product of the things you hear, receive in your heart, and believe. So if you go to a church like that, you got if I, I never could understand that there's people who go to a church when everything's fine, and then when they need a miracle, they go and visit another church and believe God for a breakthrough in their own life. And then once they get that breakthrough, they go back into the mud that God took them out of, and, and they state things like, well, you know, my family's always gone to this church. We've always, you know, our family... Uh, help build this church you know oh my daughter's on choir here so you know we could never leave it would crush her you know we have friends here you'll literally send your family to hell thinking like that because 
You don't go where God was in the 1880s. Well, you have to understand, this church was actually the place where Jonathan Edwards preached once, and Charles Finney came through here. Who cares who came through there? It matters to me what's happening there now. And if God's not moving, if the preacher is not, if there's supernatural, no supernatural at work in there, and I'm not saying the supernatural is everything. Obviously, the Word of God takes precedence. But this Word can't be preached faithfully, and there not be an explosion of signs and wonders. So shall my Word be which comes out of my mouth it shall never return void God's word can never return void it shall accomplish what I've desired and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it to prosper Jesus said these people these people as they uh, John chapter 2 and when they saw the signs and wonders they believed on him John chapter 2 when they saw the miraculous works that were being performed, they believed on Him. So Jesus, who was the Word incarnate, lived a life of supernatural flow of miracles. So if there's none of that going on in your church, you have to check the doctrine that's being preached. I'm not saying where there's, you know, the supernatural work that the doctrine is, is flawless. But I will say that when your doctrine is flawless or near flawless, there will be the supernatural at work. There will be. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And as he did, the Bible says, those that were taken with palsy and were paralyzed were supernaturally healed. And there was great joy in that city. As he preached Christ, the unadulterated image of Christ as he preached that message to the people there was a, a, a flow of signs and wonders look at Paul the Bible says Paul in Acts chapter 14 was at Lystra and he was preaching to a group of believers and as he was preaching there was a man there impotent lame who had never walked a crippled from his mother's womb as he heard Paul preaching Paul seen that he had faith to be healed so he heard and intently listened to the words that Paul was speaking. And as he heard Paul's words, something Paul was saying didn't give him faith to be saved. Didn't give him faith to, to have his marriage restored. Gave him faith to be healed. So Paul carried a gospel that included healing in it. And Paul, seeing that he had faith to be healed, told him to stand up straight on his feet. And when he did, he began to leap and walk. And there was, a, there was a, a revival that took place in Lystra. But I want you to notice something else. Even though the man had faith to be healed, he never got healed until he acted on that faith. That's why you have people that are frustrated in Christianity. Because they say things like, man, I believe God's word. I, I really believe this is the word of God. I know by his stripes I'm healed. I know that that uh, he bore my sickness and carried my pains. I know that God said, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. I know that your word says that by his stripes I'm healed. I understand that he took upon himself our infirmities and carried our burdens. I understand that the word of God says that he's Jehovah Rapha, that he'll not allow any of the, the diseases which I've known in Egypt to come on me. But why am I not healed? Why am I not walking in perfect victory in every area of life? Why do I still have struggle? Well, you can have all the faith in the world for something that God has stated in His Word you can have. But until you act on that Word. So number one enemy of faith is ignorance to what God has said. Number two enemy of faith 
is your non-mobilization of faith. Your refusal to act on what you know to be true. A.B. Simpson, who's the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, he had been diagnosed with an incurable heart disease when he was 46 years old. And the doctor gave him six months to live. And he said, go get your house in order. You're not going to live long. You got like a hole in your heart or whatever. And so he took two weeks after he received that, re that report to go into a, a cabin that he owned and spend two weeks without any interruption, just him, his Bible, and God in prayer. And as he read through the scriptures, he came to the conclusion that it was indeed God's will for him to be healed. He came to the conclusion that everything Jesus did exemplified the perfect will of the Father. And Jesus never came by any human being who desired healing, came to him in faith, and Jesus not healed that person. Everyone, the Bible says, and everyone that pressed about him to touch him were made well and were, were made whole of whatever affliction they had. The Bible says he healed every sickness and every disease amongst the people. So he came to the conclusion from the word of God that on God's end, it's settled. On God's end, his will, which the Bible says Jesus was the exact representation of God's will in nature. On God's end, it is settled. God desires for me to walk in perfect health. So he goes and uh, he had, a, a, he had a, a, a meeting that he was preaching as he came back from that cabin. Um, two weeks at the cabin, just spending him, time with him in the word. And he had a preaching engagement scheduled for the next Sunday. As he gets back after the preaching, uh, the people of the church invited him to go on a mountain climbing, you know, adventure. They were in like a nice area in Indian, I don't know where in the United States, but they invited him to go on a mountain climbing uh, adventure. And so he, he, he thought to himself initially, right away, the first thought that came up into his mind was, I can't, I can't go mountain climbing. I have a heart condition. See, that's where people miss it. Faith, the Bible says in Romans 10, with the heart, man believes unto salvation. So faith is of the heart. It's not saying your physical heart, your, your organ, the heart organ is what believes. No. Whenever the Bible mentions the heart, it's talking about your inner man, your spirit man. So faith is a spiritual thing. And the Bible says it's with the heart, with the spirit of man, the inner man of man, the hidden place of the heart, the hidden man of the heart, that's where man believes. But the mind, the Bible says, the carnal mind is always at war against the hidden man of the heart. Galatians 5, Paul says it this way. He said that um, the spirit is always at war against the flesh. And the flesh is always at war against the spirit. These things are in constant opposition against one another. So you might believe something in your heart, but sometimes you get thoughts that cross your mind that state the opposite. Well, I could never do that. Like A.B. Simpson. He thought, I have a heart condition. There's no way I can climb a, a mountain. But the moment he, he had that thought cross his mind, he took authority over that thought. Though a thought enters your mind, you don't have to, ke to, to, to keep it. You don't have to make things comfortable in your mind 
To make that thought a resident, you can evict that thought as soon as it comes, is as quickly as it can leave your, your, your mind. You don't have to nurture that thought. You don't have to comfort that thought. You don't have, that thought doesn't have authority. Your mind is not your master. Your mind is your slave. And you have been given weapons of warfare to cast down every imagination of the heart and of the mind to cast them down, and to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So how do you take a thought captive? You, can't, you're, you are helpless in taking thoughts captive unless you have the word in your heart. If you don't know God's word, you'll, Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and the enemy came to tempt him, what did Jesus counterattack the enemy's uh, thoughts that he was trying to sow into Jesus' mind. What did Jesus say? He replied, no, it is written. So the, he had ammunition to shoot off against the devil. He wasn't helpless. He didn't, as a result, he, didn't be, he was not a victim of the enemy's tactics and schemes. He became a victor over what the enemy was trying to accomplish in his life he was trying to doubt his messianic he was trying to get jesus to doubt his sonship he was trying to get jesus if you are the son of god to doubt his role in god's plan but notice how he didn't stay quiet he a closed mouth is a closed destiny if you don't speak you don't you don't if you have a, a negative thought you don't try and and just think a positive speak it out declare it train your mind to think the way God has called you to think. Whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is of noble nobility, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. For if you dwell on these things, the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells you how to arrest a, a thought. But be anxious for nothing. Number one, refuse to get worried about it. Refuse to... To be anxious about what the enemy is trying to get you anxious about. Refuse to let that negative thought dominate your mind so as to create worry, anxiety, stress. Be anxious for nothing. You're sick in your body. The devil's telling you you'll never get out of that. You'll live with that the rest of your life. I refuse to get anxious about that. Because I, have, I, have a, I don't have an idol that I serve. Who has no arms that, that he can't help me. I serve the one true living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as such, my story does not look like everybody else's story who has no God. Because I have a Redeemer, my story will look the way of someone who has a Redeemer looks. Refuse to worry about it. Then it says, by prayer and supplication... Make your request known unto God. That Take what the word of God says and approach God. The Bible says, who has engaged me uh, with all his heart? Who is the one who has engaged me with all his heart? Engage God with desperation backed by his word. Put me in remembrance, God said. State your case for my word so that you might be acquitted. That's what Ezekiah did. The... Isaiah the prophet came to him with a word from the Lord. That's why I was thinking this week. You know, people that say, well, how many of you know, Sister Sue, she died at, at, eight, at 48 years old. But how many of you know that was in God's timing? Bull was not in God's timing. 
God already said, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show my salvation. Long life, even by scripture, even David, in, uh, when Israel was in sin, said the days of our life are 70, 80 years old. So 48 is not long life by any means of the word. So the longevity of your life, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, the Bible says, and the years of the wicked will be cut short. The Bible says, as for you, you shall go to your fathers at a good old age. So, you know, people that tell you like, well, you know, when it's God's timing, that's when you go. Amen. God's timing is already outlined in scripture with long life. I'll satisfy you as the days of a tree are. So shall the days of my righteous ones be. And they will long enjoy the work of their hands. So Hezekiah gets the report. You're, you get your house in order. You will die. God told him that. This sickness you have, you're going to die from it. Hezekiah turns his face towards the, the temple and says, Lord, remember your covenant that you spoke. Haven't I served you all the days of my life? Haven't I kept your precepts? I have not said, I've sought you every day of my life. Haven't I, haven't I walked in your ways? Haven't I torn down altars that were erected to foreign gods? And God spun Isaiah on his heels and had him go back into the king's chambers and said, Hezekiah, because you refuse to die, because you refuse to just let time take its course, and you earnestly engage God with your heart, backed by the covenant, I have now added 15 years to your life. And Hezekiah lived 15 more years so what was God's timing? Obviously, God had said this sickness will result in death. But by Hezekiah's determination to not die. Psalm 118. I will not die. You have to get that in your spirit. You have to get that where you refuse to put up with the devil's crap in your life. Where you start saying enough is enough. And you take authority over the thing that's trying to wipe you out before your time. I will not die. I will live. And I will declare the works of the Lord. Psalm 27. I would have lost, I would have lost heart. Had I not believed. That I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. Not see the goodness of. How many of you know. Ultimately our healings in heaven. God's not going to heal you in heaven. God's going to give you a new body in heaven. And David said, I would have lost out had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not waiting for a heaven to, to, to get healed. I'm not waiting till heaven to have breakthrough. I'm not waiting for heaven to walk in God's plan for my life. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. You are God's creation created in Christ Jesus to walk in the good works that he has for you to walk in. God did not create you for, for pity. God created you with an enviable destiny in life. But that's not just going to fall on you. I said it last, last on Tuesday. Miracles don't just happen. Breakthrough doesn't just happen. Healing doesn't just happen. You have to do this. Enemy of faith number two. You have to take action. One of the greatest enemies of faith is just quoting God's word. Did, did Mary, when they were needed wine for Cain, at the wedding of Cain of Galilee, and she told the, the servants to go to Jesus, and whatever he says, she, whatever he tells you to do, 
Did she say whatever he tells you to do, quote it? Did she say whatever he tells you to do, just uh, confess it? Confession plays a big part and we're going to get to that. But did she just say whatever he tells you to do, admire it, revel in it, whatever he tells you to do, just sit back and know he'll do it? No. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do it. To observe and to do. Moses gets to the Red Sea. It's shut in his face. And he starts panicking. Israel's like, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? Let's go back. Let's just plead with Pharaoh so he doesn't kill all of us. Moses cries out to God, God, you got to break us out of this one. This is a tough one. This is impossible. How are we going to swim across this with three million people? God spoke back to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Didn't I already give you the rod with which you will do signs and wonders? You know what that rod represented? Bible says the rod was a representation of the word. And God has given us his word that when you take action on that word, the same way Moses took action by taking his rod and waving it over the sea and the sea split left and right and they walked through on dry ground. The same way he did that. When you take action on the word of God, every Red Sea has to part in front of you. Every obstacle has to bow in front of you. Every Jericho wall that is opposing you from walking into your destiny, walking into your healing, walking into your financial breakthrough, as you act on God's word, those things have to give way. Because when you do act on God's word, the Holy Spirit, who's the bulldozer of heaven, goes and lays flat every obstacle in your way. That's why Paul said, there are, there's a great and effective door that's been opened unto me. But there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. God has opened a great and effective door before you. God has the keys of David. And he said, I open up a door that no man can shut. But though the door has been opened, you have, it doesn't matter if God opened up a thousand doors for you this year for a prospering business. If you don't take the action and the step to actually walk through those doors, to believe God, you're at, <laughs> the way you, you prove to God you believe him is by taking the step of action that way. So ABC, what did he do? He climbed that mountain. He climbed that mountain. That was his step of faith, believe, uh, proving to God that he believed him, that he had been healed, that his word was true in his life. And what happened? Well, that testimony that he, uh, he was being interviewed on, that was given in, in when he was 70 years old. He had the report of the doctor, you're not going to live past six months. At 46, at 70 years old, he was still giving testimony and credence to God's scriptures and the validity and God's ability to back his scriptures with power. Hallelujah. God isn't a man that he should lie. He's not trying to set things up for you so that when you actually take a step of action, he pulls the, the carpet right under your feet and you fall flat. And then he says, huh, shouldn't have, shouldn't have believed me. There's hallelujah those who trust in the name of the lord shall never be put to shame god's not setting you up for shame god's setting you up for a life of glory and virtue where people start to look at you and say hey i i know i used to mock your religion i know i used to mock jesus i know i used to always get on your tail about how you serve god but i see how that's profited you i see where you were when you first joined hands with jesus and i see where you are now 
now and oh how you've increased show me how to have right standing with God that will be your story from today in the name of Jesus Christ in Jesus mighty name those, those lions that have barked off at you God's going to shut their mouths and the Bible says when the, when the heathen saw the kept the, the, when the heathen saw the Israelites brought out of captivity back to Zion the Bible says even the heathen saw it and they said this is a people called by the name of God God has done great things for them and we are glad God wants to show you off as a billboard of his goodness that every good and perfect gift if there's anything good in your life God's the source of that good gift if there's anything perfect in your life that God is the source of that perfection if there's anything wrong in your life God's not the source because the Bible says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but Jesus said I came so that you can have life Zoe the life of God and life more abundantly and James 1 17 every good and perfect gift comes down from above the father of life wherein there's no shifting shadow or variant of change God has not changed he is the same yesterday today and forevermore and I plead with you today believe God for all things are possible to him that believes in God all things there is nothing that is impossible with God there's no sickness he can't heal there's no business he can't restore there's no family he can't heal there's no wound he can patch up there's no broken heart he can't mend the spirit of the Lord is still in the business of mending the brokenhearted it's still in the business of setting free them that are oppressed he's still in the business of releasing them that are in captivity he's still in the business of preaching the gospel to the poor Paul said it in Romans 1 1 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for that gospel is power unto all all who believe that's why I can't stay quiet you can't tame me it's like a fire shut up in my bones when I start talking about how good he's been to me when I think about how he's what he's done for me it makes me want to shout it makes me want to jump because no man was able to do what God did for me when I had OCD and was at the store the the, the step of of suicide didn't want to live anymore doctors saying just take these pills which made me like a zombie no nothing could have broke me out no psychologist no counselor no human agency but with man things are impossible but not with God for with God all things are possible to him that believes the devil's gonna suffer suffer in your life from this day forward he's gonna suffer for what he put you through in the name of Jesus because I believe man I feel the Holy Ghost right now I believe that the same God that's bringing you out of the horrible pit is anointing you this day that you're not only you're not only gonna learn to fight the good fight of faith for yourself but you're gonna be a warrior of faith you show me prayer warriors there are some prayer warriors that are big failures because just praying doesn't bring doesn't bring results it's the prayer of of faith that brings results there are many prayer giants that are 
giant failures, but show me a faith giant and I'll show you a great success. And I tell you, as God makes you this day into a faith giant, as you begin to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to you, I tell you, not only will you be broken free and not go back into the miry clay from which he took you out of, but God's anointing you with the Holy Ghost and power that everywhere you go, as you've received, you're going to give. God's anointing you for deliverance, deliverance to deliver others out of the pit of despair, to snatch others out of the ash heap, to snatch others out of the dunghill, to show them the way of peace and bring them into the way of life. In Jesus' mighty name. So number one, enemy of faith, lack of understanding. Number two, lack of, of mobility. You're not acting on your faith. The Bible says that that man in John chapter 9, Jesus spat on the floor, made clay, anointed his eyes, and said, now go and wash in the pool Siloam. Had that man just confess, praise God, I know he's healing my eyes right now. Look at the anointing on my face. Oh, praise the Lord. That's a strong anointing. Had he done that, he would have never, he would have never seen another thing in his life. He would have died blind. The Bible says Jesus told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He had to do something. Grace is unlocked through, through action. Miracles are unlocked through action. It was when they had the stew, the pot of stew, that when the children, the sons of the prophet of Elisha started to eat it, what happened? The Bible says there was poison in the stew and some of them starting to get real sick. What did Elisha do? He didn't just lay his hands on it. He took a, 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 a thing of wheat, threw it in, grain of wheat, and as he did that, he believed in, he took, he took action on what he believed would happen if he had done it. When he threw that grain of wheat into the, into the pot of stew, the poison was neutralized and they, they were able to finish the pot of stew. Well, let me tell you, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to say. Miracles are unlocked by action. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Meaning your faith will produce nothing. As, the, as, the, as a man without a beat in his heart is dead. So faith without works is dead. Works is literally the spirit of faith. He said, show me, a, show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Your faith can be demonstrated and expressed through the way that you work. Those steps you're taking. Number three, unforgiveness. This is a huge one. Enemy of faith number three, unforgiveness. Hate in your heart for someone holding a grudge against someone in your life. I'll never forgive them. Well, you'll die sick. The Bible says a cruel man troubles his own flesh, but the merciful does good for his own soul. You, whoever refuses to forgive, refuses to travel the bridge which he himself must cross over. If you refuse to forgive, you're refusing to travel the bridge that you yourself must cross over. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your, bre your brother his trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. One of the greatest hindrances to the operation of faith is unforgiveness. Hate in your heart for someone else. You'll never arrive at where God wants you Holding hate in your life. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 6. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters in the new covenant. But faith working by love. So your faith cannot work unless it's worked, it's wrought in love. 
If there's no love, your faith is impotent. It will never produce. Faith works by love. On the flip side, faith does not work where there's no love. If you have someone in your life, every time you're around them, I can't stand that person speaking ill. Kenneth Hagin, at like 80 years old, I saw him preaching. And he said, you ask anybody that's been around me these last like 50 years of, of ministry, 60 years of ministry, ask anyone, ask my wife, ask my co-laborers co and, and, and pastors, not one of them has ever heard me speak something ill about another human being. Never. And if I ever hear gossip, slandering, malicious attack against someone I know or another human being, I rebuke them. And if they don't stop, I leave the room. The Bible says God is love. So if without faith it's impossible to please God and God is love, that means it's without faith and without love it's impossible to please God. Because unless you're walking on the love path, then you're not on the path that God's on. God walks the love path, the love walk. And if you want to get on the path God's on, and the path that God's on, that's where things happen. That's where breakthrough happens. That's where breakthrough occurs. You have to walk in love. Some of you are holding grudges. I tell you, Kenneth Hagin used to say, nine times out of ten, when someone fails to be healed, it is because they're holding on to a grudge. And the moment I get them to identify that, and they, in their spirit, release that person and forgive them truly from the heart, nine, almost 100% of the time they get healed. Immediately. Mark chapter 11. Listen to this. I tell unto you. Mark eleven twenty three, 23. Have the faith of God. And he tells you how that faith operates. For surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24. People always love to quote 23. Move on to verse 24. There, uh, and, and, and to 26, sorry. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you've received them and you'll have them. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Do what? Forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. But if you do not forgive him, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And if you're not forgiven, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would never hear me. The Bible says that God is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. So part of the way you cleanse your heart is by releasing people who've wronged you in the past. Stop holding grudges. Who cares what that person did in grade 8, grade 9? Some of you have grown up and you had parents that were awful. Some of you, I can feel it in my spirit. There's some of you are saying, yeah, but if you had gone through what I went through, you'd, you'd understand. I, I'm not saying that you didn't have it rough. I'm not saying people wronged you. But who is the one who got wronged the most in history? Is it not God? Where the Bible says that we've all turned aside. We royally screwed up God's plan in Eden. 
We've turned aside. The Bible says we have together become corrupt. We've each as sheep gone astray to our own way. But look how God replied. Had God been like some people today? Just loveless? He would have said, man, let me just destroy this, this earth. Bunch of ingrates. Have no gratitude for what I've done. Look at the garden I made for them. And this is how they repay me? Angels released to destroy. What did he do? Instead, God demonstrated his own love that even while he was being nailed on that tree and people mocked him and said, you've delivered others. Why don't you cry out to God for him to deliver you? Psalm 24 is a messianic prophecy. It tells you the thoughts Jesus had on that cross that the bulls of Bashan have encircled me, that the dogs are barking at me. And you, you don't think he had opportunity to come off that cross? He even said, don't you think I can now pray my father in heaven and he'll send me more than 12 legions of angels to deliver me? But this must happen so that righteousness might be fulfilled. This must, God demonstrated that while we were still in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. He stayed on that tree with you in mind. And the Bible says we are to fix our eyes on Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his sh its shame. And I sat down at the right hand of the Father and move on to the next verse. Consider him. Consider him. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Consider him. If anybody endured hostility, it was Jesus as they mocked and spit and ripped his beard off. The Savior of the world. The one who came to set the very ones who nailed him to that tree free. Who had them in mind. That the mo What did he say on that cross? Father, do not, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen was a perfect replica of that when he was being stoned. He was trying to help them by getting the gospel into their hearts and they're stoning him. And what does he cry out? He said, I see the son standing at the right hand of the father. And Father, I commit my, hand, my spirit into your hands. Don't hold this sin against them. Jesus said a parable of a man who got forgiven of a great debt by a king. And the first thing he did was to go and find out. Go and find the man who owed him pennies to the dollar of what he owed. And he took him by the neck and pinned him to the wall and said, pay me what you owe. And he said, I can't. Have mercy on me. And he threw him into debtor's prison until he can repay it. And when the king who had forgiven him heard of what he did. I'll pray right now, sir. In Jesus' name, I curse any work of Satan that would try to get that little 11-month-old daughter have a seizure and continue. In Jesus' name, I break that seizure now by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Every demonic influence in the name of Jesus Christ. Be free in Jesus' name. Hands off. I release you now. That'll be the last seizure she ever has in Jesus' mighty name. I curse every worker of hell in the name of Jesus Christ. He goes back. The king ends up summoning the man whom he had forgiven of his debt and says, what is this that I heard you, you did? Is it true? 
That after I forgave you of like $10 million, you went and found someone who owed you $100? Because remember, what we owed God, what we owe God, our, our um, handwriting of requirements, our certificate of debt towards God was far outweighing any wrongdoing someone who, uh, someone's done to you. No matter how bad it is. What, what we did to God in sin far outweighs what anyone has ever done to you. And what did, what did that king say? Is it true that you, you actually did that? You went and found that guy who owed you $100? And you pinned him to the wall and you threw him in debtor's prison? Is that true? Well, yeah, he owed me. Take that man, cut him in two, and appoint his portion with the unbelievers. Literally, you'll go to hell. So not only will you have a rough time on earth holding a grudge, you'll go to hell. Because if you're, you're still in sin, the Bible says, there's no, the Bible says on that day, in, in heaven, Jesus will be marching through. And he said in the parable of the great feast that he saw one who was in, in heaven, but his garments were still dirty. Those are people who confess Christ, believe Christ, but they haven't forgiven. So they haven't acted out that faith in love towards others. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. So hindrance number number three is unforgiveness. Hindrance number four is bad confession. Watch your confession. Be careful how you speak. Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord, he is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust. Take care on how you speak. Don't have loose lips. David said, set a guard over my, my mouth. Put a, a door over my lips. Let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. You have to be careful how you speak. You have to speak faith-filled words. When everyone's saying, I don't know how you'll pull through. Quit. Don't line your confession up with what they're saying. Line your confession up with what the word of God says about you. God's word, you can go through the whole New Testament and underline everywhere that it says in him, in whom, through him, through whom, underline it. And you, anywhere that it says through whom, in him, you know that that's something you can confess over yourself. And the Bible says in him we have redemption by his blood. And the Old Testament Psalm says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm in Christ, I'm redeemed, I confess what redemption means for me. Line your, you can never go wrong quoting God's word. Never. And the Bible says we are to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. You know what got Zechariah in trouble? The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, when the angel came to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a child. Your prayer has been heard. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And your prayer has been heard. And I'm here in response to your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth, even though she's old, she's going to conceive. Zechariah replied, how can that be? Since I'm well advanced in years and so is my wife. The angel replied, because you said that and didn't believe. So you see, your confession is an expression of your faith. Your faith will be measured by the level of your confession. Show me a man's mouth and his words, and I can tell you where he stands in faith. And the angel told Zechariah, 
Because you didn't confess properly, because you didn't line your mouth up with mine, I'm sealing your lips until the time that these things take place. Why did the angel do that? Because God knew. If this guy keeps speaking words of doubt, he's going to uproot every plan I have for him. And that child will never be born. So God had to seal his lips until the things took place. And then the moment John was born, John the Baptist, the angel opened up his lips and he started to speak again. And they marveled. Watch your confession. And then number four enemy of faith is you got to leave a sin consciousness. Stop thinking you're some old sinner, wretched human being that doesn't deserve anything God has for them. Stop. The Bible says God is faithful and just that if we confess our sins, He forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says in 1 John 3, Brethren, if our hearts do not condemn us, the enemy, the devil, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. And some of you have believed his lies. You think you'll ever, you could ever get anything from God seeing what you've done? You're asking all these things for God, for your, for, uh, from God for your future? Have you ever considered your past? Paul said, I do this one thing. I forget those things which are behind. And I press towards the, the call, the upward call of God. I press towards the reward of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's, <laughs> you want to talk about someone who understands righteousness, consciousness? Paul. Paul killed Christians, was a murderer. The Bible says he was an insolent man, blasphemed the name of Christ, who had letters from Jerusalem to go and bind those who called on Christ to bring them bound to Jerusalem, who wholeheartedly consented to the execution of Stephen, who Acts 8 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, and Saul wreaked havoc on the church. And he went from house to house, destroying Christians, burning them at this, just total mayhem. And that Paul, when he encountered Christ, and Christ said, is it hard for you to kick against the goats? You're persecuting me. And he got saved, regenerate, and became a preacher of righteousness? What ends up, you read in the book of Philemon, where Paul says, I have wronged no man. I have wronged no man. Paul, the Christian executioner in Philemon, says, I have not wronged any man. Because he forgot his past. He said, because of, I was an insolent man, I did it ignorantly in unbelief, but I obtained mercy. And God demonstrated His mercy towards me, who was the chief of sinners when He saved me. And I, I'm telling you, it, and this is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. God desires all men to be saved. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you did this morning. Doesn't matter how wicked you've been throughout life. Doesn't matter if you... Look at Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson was an abortionist. She was a, a, a vice president at Planned Parenthood. And God got a hold of her. And she ended up getting saved. And now she's a, a proud advocate against abortion. She's a pro-life voice. She spoke at the Trump RNC, the Republican National Convention. And she, she doesn't think about what she did anymore. God just cleansed. That's what the Bible says. Your sins and lawless deeds. I'll make a covenant with you in those days. 
that your sins and lawless deeds, I'm not going to remember them anymore. As far as the east is from the west, I will blot your sins out of my sight. And if God doesn't remember your sin, stop bringing them up. Stop believing the lies of the adversary. Instead, renew your mind with the word of God that says, He who has sinned became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you're watching today and you're not saved, you're still in sin. You'll die and go to hell. You need to get saved. The only way you could do that is by getting washed by the blood of Jesus. God, Jesus died. The Bible says he was pierced through to forgive you, to release you from sins. The Bible says that the blood of a goat, the blood of an ox, the blood of a lamb, it wasn't sufficient to satisfy God's justice and His wrath. It just covered sin from year to year. But the Bible says that we've been redeemed not by the blood of an ox or a goat, nor by the traditions of religion, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of a lamb without spot or wrinkle. And Jesus said, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there can be no release from sin. But Jesus shed his blood not only to forgive you of sin, not only to cover your sin, but to release you from the burden and guilt of sin. That now you can be righteous. What's righteous? Righteousness is just the ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority, where you don't have to weigh, be weighed down by the guilt of your past. But the Bible says if any man is in Christ, Christ. He's a new creature. All things passed away. Everything becomes new. If that's you today and you want to you wanna taste and see of God's goodness, you want your sins forgiven, you want new life in Christ, you, you, you want to, uh, uh, the Bible says, join your hands with the, the, the Prince of Peace. You want to have peace from your past. You need to pray this prayer with me right now. From the bottom of your heart, say this, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this day humbling myself. I turn from my old ways. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you today. Wash me. Cleanse me. Release me from my past. Let everything become new. Empower me to live for you the rest of my days. To honor you to live in holiness from this moment onward. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to fight the fight of faith. And I'll never turn back. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. I'm no longer a citizen of this earth. I've now received heavenly citizenship. I've been washed by the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, get in contact with me. SalvationNow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. Get the information to me. I want to send you a package free of charge. We pay shipping, handling, everything. I want to make sure that um, you, you have some material to start off. I want to get you a Bible and whatever else is in the package. Some stuff that will really help you, greatly help you and assist you. And if you don't go to church, start attending a Bible preaching church from this day onward. Not people that spend 80% of the service quoting uh, books on the Bible. But I'm talking about a Bible believing, spirit filled church where they preach the word of God unadulterated. And go this Sunday and connect, plug in. 
and you'll see your life will never be the same. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.